Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you ever have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at www.new-song-church.com. We'd love for you to stay connected with us throughout your week and everywhere you go through our church app. It's free and available wherever you download your apps. So if you haven't noticed, I'm not Pastor Justin. I don't know what gave it away. Maybe, maybe it's my slick bald head. Maybe it's my olive oil skin. But Pastor Justin is not here. He is, in fact, with the missions team in Nicaragua. They're, he, him and, and uh, his wife, Jennifer, are going to be over there for this week. And he will be back next week. Praise God. Amen? You're not going to have walkers on stage anymore. You're going to have a sitter. <laughs> Praise God. No, but he'll be, he'll be back next week, and everything, everything's going to be great. Um, I have the privilege of being able to share the message this morning, and I'm, I'm really, really excited. In fact, it is round two. It's the good round. It's like fourth quarter time. Football reference. Love it. Okay. Um, so a little bit about me, because I know, I, know I've, I, I haven't been around very long, and I know most of you recognize my face, but don't quite know who I am. Like I said earlier, my name is Raul. I'm the worship pastor here. My full name is Raul Gonzalez. I am not from here. I am from this little teeny, teeny place way, way down south called Miami, where there's a lot of loud and obnoxious people, otherwise known as Cubans. And it just so happens to turn out that I'm one of them. (laughs) I'm one of those loud, obnoxious Cubans. But I've actually, it's really interesting that I'm, I'm getting to share the message today because today is more or less the anniversary of when I first came to interview here at New Song and led for the first time. So it was kind of like providence. Yes. Give it up for Jesus. Not, not for me, not for me. Um, and so it's, it's one year anniversary of that. And then I, I, got, I got hired in August. August 3rd was like my first day, first official day here. So we're coming up on the year really soon of me being here. But then even slightly more important than that, come September 30th, it's going to be one year that I'm married to my amazing wife, Jody. Y'all, y'all better give it up for her. We got married last year. I mean, Pastor, Pastor Justin officiated our wedding. It was like interviewed, got the job, boom, move up here, and then boom, get married. Woo! Talk about a whirlwind. But we're here, it's, and in this year, almost a year, it's been nine months. It's, I can't believe it's been nine months. Now, for all of y'all that have been married a long time, you go, oh, how cute, nine months. Listen, I've never done this before. It's been a long time. <laughs> My word. But in this, these nine months, I have learned and experienced so, so, so much. My, I, I, I gotta brag on my wife. My wife is amazing. She puts up with me. I mean, I, I, am, I am as goofy as it comes in, in, every, in every way. I, I'm not gonna give details because I don't wanna embarrass my wife. But I am very, very goofy and, and through it all, she loves me. I'm, I mean, she loves all of this, despite all of this. It's amazing. But God, God is good, and in fact, God has shown me so much of his love through her. He's shown me so much of his grace, so much of his mercy, just by being married to her. I mean, 
let's be real, right? Married men, our lives, our wives absolutely love it when we unload the dishwasher, when we do the dishes, maybe even cook, especially when we do laundry. I mean, when you do those domestic things, wives go, ooh, mowing the grass. My wife gets excited when I mow the grass. I mean, she's just like, yes. I just bought an edger and I got really excited and I started edging everything, <laughs> going all over. She's like, yes, keep going, keep going, do it, do it, do it. But see, here's the thing, and this is one of the big things that I've learned in being married, is that she doesn't love me because I do all these things. She loves me because. I cannot earn her love. I mean, she, I put a ring on it, she said yes. I hadn't done any of those things <laughs> to get her to love me. You, you understand what I'm saying? I couldn't, earn, I couldn't earn her love in that way. I do these things because I love her and because she loves that I do those things, but she doesn't love me because I do those things. She loves me because, just because. And through that, I've seen God's amazing love through her because God loves each and every one of us because, just because, not, not because we do things for him or we come to church or insert whatever you want. It, it, it's just because. You, you can't earn God's love. You can't earn his grace. You can't earn his mercy. And if you noticed, there's something plastered behind me. It's a, not yet, man. That's my wife. That's me and my wife on our wedding day. Yes, we made the joke. Okay, so it was really, really funny. The, the photographer was taking pictures, and it was just all so serious. And I was like, can we have a funny picture, please? Can we just, just once, just once, just, and it was great. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But plastered directly behind me, thank you very much, Jason. Plastered directly behind me is the word Colossians. And we're actually starting a new series this morning on the letter of Paul to this group of people called Colossians. Y'all ready to get, y'all ready to dive in? All right, let's do this. So let me set up for you Colossians real, real quick, real, real fast, all right? Paul is writing to a new church, a new fledgling church. They're full of faith, full of passion, full of fire for God, okay? Brand spanking new. They're baby Christians, and they're like, yes, the gospel is awesome. We've been redeemed. We've been saved. And, but Paul didn't actually plant this church. Paul was doing ministry in Ephesus, and just to give you a kind of, if you, if you know where Turkey is on a map, that's the area that we're talking about, Okay? So turkey, you know, falafel, shawarma, all that yummy food. That area there, that's where all this stuff is happening. That's, that's whom Paul is writing to. Paul had been ministering in Ephesus. There's also a letter to a church in Ephesus, okay? He's writing to Colossians because he had done ministry in, in, in Ephesus. And a guy by the name of Epaphras had come to faith through Paul's ministry and in Ephesus. And then he went over to, to Colossae, which is a town number of miles away, inland, and planted a church. So Paul was almost like the grandfather of this church. He didn't plant it directly, but the guy that, got, that planted the church got saved because of Paul, okay? And so they're on fire for Jesus. They're, they're, I mean, 
They're expanding. They're telling people about Jesus. It's amazing what's going on. But what ends up happening is that a few people in the church start saying stuff like, man, yeah, Jesus is great. Jesus is fantastic. But to really be spiritual, you got to add a little something, something. To really have the fullness of what it means to be, you know, part of God's people, you, you got to add something. You, you need a little bit more, you know, fluffy, high-minded wisdom, or you, you need a little bit of, of knowledge. You got you to search a little bit more to get that fullness, to, to become a spiritual elite, so to speak, right? In other words, what they're saying is that Jesus plus works, plus wisdom, plus knowledge, whatever word you want to put in there, Jesus plus that something, then equals everything. And what Paul is trying to get across in, in the letter to the Colossians is the exact opposite. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. I want you to repeat that with me. Ready? Jesus plus nothing. equals. Everything. One more time. Jesus plus nothing. equals. Everything. Oh, yeah. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Now, for us to understand this phrase, we necessarily need to what? Understand who Jesus is, right? We got to know who Jesus is. And, you know, because if we don't know who Jesus is, then we, it, it doesn't make sense. We can't make sense of the rest of that phrase. And so that's exactly what Paul does in Colossians. First, he, he, he has a little bit of thanksgiving. He thanks God for the Colossians and their faith, their vibrant faith, their, their strong faith. And then, you know, he, he, he kind of tells them, man, I've been praying for you, and this, is, this has been the content of my prayers. And that's all of chapter 1 up until verse 15. And then all of a sudden, in verse 15, there starts a poem. Now you might be thinking, a poem. Really? Really? Are we getting all fluffy now? hear me out. What does a poem do? A, a poem just uses images to convey a larger message. So, you know, when you, when you, you know, a simple poem, roses are red, violets are blue. What did you see in your head? A red rose and a blue violet, right? You saw the image in your head and I didn't have to say, well, I picked a a, a rose that has thorns and, and, and go into this whole narrative description of it. It was quick. It was easy. The image is in your head. That's what Paul is doing here and in, in starting in verse 15. So we're going to read it together. It's at the top of your sermon notes, okay? Here we go. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless 
excuse me, above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Whew, that was a mouthful. <laughs> but, so, so Paul is, is, is writing this poem, and he's using images to get us to understand who Jesus is. If we start on verse 15, he says, he is the image of the invisible God, right? In other words, he's like, when you think of the word image, what do you think of? You think of a picture, right? I'll say it this way. Have you ever been in a restaurant and you, you sat down, you ordered your meal, you're with friends, family, husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, you, you, you're, you're going to have a nice time, and you're, and you're excited. You're excited for this meal. You've been wanting to go to this restaurant for a while, and, and, and you've heard that the food is good. So, you know, you're, you're, you're expecting that the food is coming. The food comes. It's still, it's still hot. You can't wait to, like, dig in. And then all of a sudden behind you, a, a little kid starts having a temper tantrum. What is the first thought in your head? Seriously, this kid's gonna ruin my dinner. Can this kid please be quiet? What is happening over there? You even try and glance over to see if you know, like, if he's like on the ground kicking or something. Like, what is going on? It sounds like he's like he's having a hard time. What's happening? And then, what's the second thought that you have right after that? Have his parents not taught him anything? I mean, what kind of parents are these that are just letting their kid have a temper tantrum all willy-nilly in the middle of a restaurant? I mean, come on. You're making an assumption about the parents based on the child because the child is the image of the parents. You're assuming, right? Let's take it a step further, right? You got this kid. Let's say he's 10, right? He is the nicest kid. Ever. Not only is he, he is kind. I mean, he, he, he even opens doors for ladies of all ages. I mean, this kid is polite. He is on top of his stuff. I mean, he, he always looks spiffy. What's the assumption you make about this kid? Oh, man, his, his parents have done a really good job. A really, really good job. And then let's say you meet the dad. And then you go, he does all the same things. And not only he does all the same things, they even look alike. They almost look like twins. What would you say, you know, what would you say the, the relation between them two is? You know, the, the child, the son, is the, the spitting image of their father. So Jesus is the spitting image of the father. And we're going to come back to that. Hold that thought. We're going to come back to that. What else does Paul say about Jesus? He goes through this long list of stuff, and I'm going to summarize it really, really quick. He's in charge of it all. He's the big boss. Everything that you see around you was made by him, for him, through him. And because it was made by him, for him, through him, he owns it all. He's in charge of it all. It's all his. All of creation is his. I don't know about y'all, but I'm starting to get the image of like Jesus plus... Nothing equals, one more time, Jesus plus equals. Paul then pivots in verse 18, and he talks about he is the head of the body, the church. 
That's all y'all. And that's me too. It's all of us together. We are the church. And he does that because then he starts talking about new creation. Meaning what? Creation happened. You know, Adam and Eve, Genesis. That part happened, right? God makes everything we see, and then he makes it all new. Everything that we see is made by Jesus, through Jesus, for Jesus, and then he makes all of that new, and it's still all done by him, through him, and for him. So he's painting a picture that Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and we're getting to know Jesus through this poem. He makes Jesus look really, really big. He makes Jesus famous, and that's what he's trying to get to the Colossians. Like, no, 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 you don't need nothing else. You don't need absolutely anything else because Jesus is big enough. Jesus is powerful enough. Jesus has it all. So now that we know real quick who Jesus is, here's the deal. And this is where Paul is going with this in the rest of the letter. Okay? You can write this down. When we understand who Jesus is, we understand who the Father is. We just talked about, and I gave the example of, of the kid. So when we look at Jesus, what do we see? We see a self-giving, self-sacrificial kind of love. When he was here, he served people who were not like him. He washed his disciples' feet. He said, if you, if you want to be the greatest, you, you got to get down and dirty and serve. He died for people that didn't even know him, i.e. us. He gave of himself so that we could then be reconciled to God, so that we could have right relationship with God. He gave it freely. I mean, Scripture says that we, we, we were dead in our trespasses. In other words, we weren't even thinking about God. We, we, God wasn't even a thought in our heads. And Jesus gave himself. God gave his one and only son. He gave of himself freely without thinking about the consequence. He knew what was going to happen. And he said, nope, I'm going to do it anyway. He freely gave. If Jesus freely gives, I mean God freely gives. That also means that if he gave freely, I can't earn it. I can't, I can't add to what Jesus has done. I can't I can't check, have a checklist and say, oh, came to church. I'm good with God. I, I read my Bible. I'm good with God. I'm, no, you don't do those things to get God to love you. You do those things because you love God. You do those things because, because you love him. Not, that, not because you're trying to get him to love you. Are we tracking? Are we following? John 1.18 says this, no one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. We can see who God is. Let's write this down. When we understand who Jesus is, we understand who we are. Ooh. Who, who are you? Yeah, I went there. Y'all don't, don't know me. When we understand who Jesus is, we understand who we are. And it's two-pronged, okay? Our identity, 
If we wrap that up in a simple phrase, our identity is two things. First, we are part of a different kind of family. We are a new kind of family. In, in verse 18, Paul says, and he himself, in, in, in verse 18 of Colossians 1, Paul says, and he himself is the head of the body, the church. In other words, Jesus has got a family. We are family. Ah, uh, we are a new kind of family. Okay, now, for real, for real, for real. We've all got crazy families, right? I mean, I mean, I've got a loud, obnoxious family. They're all Cubans. Like everyone's talking to each other all at the, we get together as a family and everyone's having their own conversations on top of everybody else. I remember my wife, the first time she met my family, she was just kind of like, how many conversations are going on? Oh, 20. I can't pay it. I, I, I can't, I can't. Loud, obnoxious, out and about, just out there. And on top of that, I've got like three crazy uncles. And when they all get together, it's bananas. And then I've got like 15 crazy aunts. No, I'm kidding. I don't have 15 crazy aunts. That'd be a lot. It'd be a lot of people. But I've, I've got a crazy family. I mean, and, they, and, and you can relate because there's, you know, there's probably some people in your family. Oh. And when your family gets together, oh man, pandemonium, mayhem all over the place. We've got that kind of family. We've all got people in our families that are like that too. But see, here's, here's the thing. When, when someone in your family hurts you or you hurt them, sometimes what happens is that there is no reconciliation. You don't ask each other for forgiveness. You just sweep it under the rug. You let it sit, you let it be. And you go, no, I'm, I'm just, I'm hurt by them and I'm not gonna deal with them. Nope, don't care. In my mind, they're not even part of the family anymore. When I see them, oh, okay, hi, hi, yes, how are you doing? And then, not gonna do it. Because in Jesus, we're part of a new family, we must reconcile with each other. When we hurt each other, in fact, Jesus says that we have to forgive 70 times seven, and that's not the upper limit. That's where you start. That's a lot of forgiving. But you forgive because you were forgiven and you extend grace to that family member, that family member, because grace was extended to you by Jesus, by God. In a new kind of family, our dynamics are different in the sense of we don't do things like everybody else. We love each other. We lay our lives down for each other because Jesus laid his life down for us. We give up whatever it takes for our brother, for our sister, because that's what Jesus did for us. And not only that, Not only is God's family comprised of people that look like you, God's family is comprised of every nation, of every tribe, and every tongue. All kinds of people. People that look like me, people that look like you, and look around, people that look like all of us. That's the family of God. And you, so what unites us? I would, you know, Jesus' blood is what unites us. I would even say that Jesus' blood is thicker than your family blood. 
because we're stuck for each other, with each other for eternity. We are with each other for all eternity because Jesus has brought us together. We're a new kind of family in him. And second, when we understand who Jesus is and we understand who we are, we are a new kind of people. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We're a new kind of family. We're a new kind of people. We relate to each other differently. We love on each other. We serve each other. We give ourselves for each other. We, we welcome and we serve our community as individuals because we're serving our community as, as, a, as, as a family right now. I mean, we just sent a group of people to Nicaragua to do missions. On Thursdays, every single Thursday, if, if, if you want to get involved, you should totally get involved. Call the office, all that administrative stuff. Soup Kitchen. We serve all kinds of people at Soup Kitchen. Not just poor people, but people who are, who are other who are not as, who don't have the same kind of advantages that we have, whether it's monetary, whether it's physically, emotionally, mentally, so many different kinds of people. You know what? We serve them because God served us in giving us Jesus. We're a new kind of people. We don't think how everybody else thinks. We don't act how everybody else acts. We, we do things differently. We do things like Jesus, because Jesus plus nothing Man, y'all asleep. Jesus plus nothing equals? Jesus plus nothing equals everything. When we know who we are, it's amazing. When we know who we are, and this is the next point, you can write it down. We have a newfound confidence. Confidence in what? Not in ourselves, but in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3, 4 says this, such is the confidence that we have, th that we have th through Christ towards God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but, far, but our sufficiency is from God. I got confidence, yo. Jesus, owning everything, having everything, being in charge of everything, having made me new, now gives me everything that I need. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And so I ain't scared. I'm not afraid. What could happen? What could go wrong? And then you go, oh, you know, you might have an accident. And this is Yes, and God works all things for the good of those whom he has called. You and me and all the two, three hundred people that are in here. I have confidence. Someone doesn't like me. God likes me. You got a problem with me? Okay. God doesn't have a problem with me. I have confidence, not arrogance. Okay, it's not arrogance. You don't walk by and be like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm the best. I got it all. No, you don't have it all. Jesus has it all. Jesus has freely given it to you. Your confidence is not in yourself. 
It's in him. He provides you your identity. He provides you everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Not only do you have a newfound confidence, but the next point is this. When I know who I am, I am free. Romans 8, 15 through 16. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, you have been adopted into God's family. You have been made new, which means that the chains that held you back before, they gone. They gone. They ain't make it. Mm -mm. They did not make it. They got broken, torn apart, smashed into pieces. Whatever the chains were, you were lying, you were fibber, or you were a manipulator, you were a controller. You needed to have control. Gossiper. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Because in Jesus, you're free. Because you're new. The old has passed away. You're made brand, it's like you're brand spanking new baby. Right out of the womb. Whoop. Brand new. Jesus has made you new. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. I don't know about you, but when I was writing and studying this and, and getting this ready for this morning, I was overcome with emotion. Yes, I probably even cried like a baby. I'm not going to admit that. Why? Because I grew up having to, feeling like I had to earn my parents' affection. If I didn't get A's, A plus, if I, if I wasn't at the top of my class, if I didn't do the chores on time, the right way, when I was told to do it, you know, probably don't like you very much right now. I, that's, how I, that's how I felt growing up. I had to earn my parents' affection, so I felt. And so I grew up with that, and naturally that extends to, to other relationships, friendships. I, I have to earn my friendships, and I have to even earn romantic relationships, and I have to earn God's affections, God's love, God's mercy, God's grace. Maybe you've gone through the same thing. Maybe you feel that you've got to earn. And now, earning your keep, you know, working, and, and there's a place for it. What I'm talking about goes a little bit beyond that. What I'm talking about is God's free gift. Yes, you need money. You have to earn money to pay your bills, to live. Yes, that's, that's how it works. But you don't earn from God. You don't earn from each other in this way. God showed me that all I need is Jesus. All I will ever need is Jesus and all I ever needed is Jesus. All you need is Jesus. Maybe this morning you're in that spot and you're saying, you know what? I felt like I've gotta, I've gotta earn God's love. I've gotta even earn my, insert name here. I've gotta earn their love. Maybe you feel like, I'm just not good enough. I'm gonna tell you something this morning, that's a lie from the devil. 
because Jesus plus nothing equals everything. You have everything that you could possibly need in Jesus. You are redeemed, you are saved, you are righteous, you are good. You are a child of God. We were just singing that new song, Who You Say I Am. I am chosen, I'm forgiven, I am who God says I am. And when you believe it, that fills you with confidence. That fills you with a supernatural kind of confidence that you know what? It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter what I feel because what God says about me is more important. And I'm going to trust him. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life. And we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to www.new-song-church.com forward slash next. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using here at New Song to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. 